news. Welcome, everybody. We're going to start off today like we always do, the news. I'm sitting here today with Jay Vargas. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. It's a blessing. Well, hopefully this is going to be reoccurring. You'll be on more episodes. Sure. Well, did you hear about that TikTok bullshit? No, I don't have it. No. Talk, talk to me about it. Well, Trump's banning to try to ban TikTok because he said it's a it's a matter of national security that they're using it to spy on us. <laughs> After he closed mad embassies and shit, but now Microsoft is trying to buy TikTok. I think I think Trump he he knows he's about to lose. He's trying to postpone the election. Can you believe that the first president ever to even try to postpone the election? He knows he's about to lose this race. Ladies and gentlemen, come on. Do the math. Some say he should have never been in the race to begin with. Speaking of races, did you hear that uh, Kanye West just put his name on the ballot from Missouri, I believe, and named his Kanye, running mate? Kanye been saying that he's been, he been going to run for 2020 for the longest. Yeah, but it's over. You can't get your name on the ballot. It's in November. People have been campaigning for the past year. Mad people are already out of it. So how? what are you going to do? I think he's a great artist. He's a great music. He makes great music. But I don't think his mental health is is at stake for so something something big like that for him. That's too much. I don't know. I don't, with the state of his mental, I don't think he's ready to be the president. He's of the not. States. No, he's not. I think that will overwhelm him too much that he will make a lot of mistakes. And when I don't think we're in the right position to elect another president who's going to make mistakes the way Trump is making them. I honestly don't think America is going to make the same mistake twice and elect somebody from the entertainment business unless they got their shit together. I don't know. I don't know. Hey. Hey, President Trump became president. Well, I don't think it'll happen again for a long time. Unless it was uh, episode three, Jerry Springer. I'd vote for him. <laughs> oh, we just got to watch. We just got to watch for the next episode of freaking. Um, what's the freaking cartoon? I forgot. I forgot the name of the cartoon. My black people. Are uh, you slacking? You slacking? I truly forgot the name. Did you hear about the Bella Twins? The Simpsons. Sorry, the Simpsons. The Simpsons. Yes, congratulations to the Bella Twins for having kids. One day apart in true twin fashion, they had their babies. I heard one of them didn't want to know the, the gender of the baby. I think that was uh, Bree. Bree didn't want to know the gender. And yeah. they, she revealed after the baby was born that Daniel has a son. So congratulations to the Bellas and, and their their bows. But more congratulations are in order for Daniel Bryan, who now has somebody to follow in his footsteps. Not that Birdie wasn't going to in the first place, but something to expand his legacy. Awesome. Oh yeah. Now we're gonna move on to sports real quick. You know, the XFL went down hard again when it first came back out. Vince got sued. It was a whole big ordeal. But now The Rock is going in with a whole team to spend $15 million to buy the XFL. That is a, that is a, that is a pricey price right there. 
Yeah, but it will be worth it because it was garnering a fan base because the indoor football league didn't do too bad. They need something. They need entertainment after the uh, NFL season is over. And with the way things are looking, maybe they have something in place that they won't even need fans in the stands. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I believe sports is, is getting watered down without no fans. That's for any sports. You need the crowd. That's what makes that's what makes a sport. Yeah, well look at what happened in uh major league baseball already. There's a there's a lot of people that are coming up positive with COVID nineteen and not a lot of games have started yet. True. True, 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 true. True. But still, even with the COVID, I just wanna say congratulations to the Yankees. Oh my god. They are killing it. How many games have the MLB played already? I don't even know. I think, don't quote me on this, but I'm, I think they won 16 straight. 16 straight? I didn't even I know the, the MLB was running games like that right now. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that, but i Yankees all the way. Shout out to the Yankees. Somebody playing MLB 2K is what's happening. But I like Modest. Everybody <laughs> matters. Think it's everybody. So, uh, so. we because we, we, we in sports. Um, did you hear about the Tyson? Tyson yeah, getting ready. Tyson's getting ready. He's getting ready to he's fight. He said he's good. going for the knockout. He wants to knock out Roy Jones. Well, he he did a little a little interview with TMZ that asked him about it. He's like, look. You know, if the opportunity presents himself when I'm in that ring with him, the knockout comes, it's going to come for last. He looks good. I've seen him hitting the bags, man. He's, he's still intimidating. I'm I'm, honest, I'm honestly going for Tyson. I grew up in Tyson era, so that man is a beast. He's always been a beast. Who knows? I'm not taking nothing away from his opponent. He has a great, great career. Yeah, Roy Jones, Roy Jones is, he's not a bad fighter. But when it comes to Tyson, yeah, this is a dream fight to say the least across the board. Dream fight, hands down. If Tyson comes out the way he usually comes out, is over. You gotta realize they're they're both old though. So who knows? Yeah, but Tyson is Tyson is still a, a heavyweight champion, pound for pound. So was Jones. Yeah, but when Tyson comes at you, my brother, Tyson is coming for your neck. Oh, yeah, that's Roy true. Jones, he plays with you. You know, he, he plays with you. Jones had a couple Tyson. knockouts, too. Jones had a couple knockouts. No, I'm not taking knife from the brother. He, he has a great career. Great career he has. But Tyson? Nah. Awesome. It's going to be an awesome fight. I'm just saying I'm going, I'm going for Tyson. Tyson, Tyson, Tyson. So you want to speak about the uh, the Yankees? Your boy Jeter is blaming the Miami Marlins coronavirus outbreak on false sense of security. How? I don't know. What? What is that? How does that make sense? Isn't um, Jeter's the the captain to the um, Yankees? Club captain. Club captain. I'm sorry. Club captain. Sorry. He's the CEO of the Miami Marlins. Oh. 
I truly forgot he did buy a team. I truly forgot about that. I haven't really even looked up on that. To be honest with you, but I think it's something like that. Uh, what a crybaby, right? Yeah, he's a crybaby. Instead of just dealing with like with everybody, he said else it's, it's hard with. to know where the Marlins' first outbreak went, but it's hard it's hard to tell where any first outbreak went, especially if you're not testing the way you should be. That's sad. It's making a lot of people sad. It's making a lot of people depressed. It's affecting a lot of our listeners, and honestly, that's why yesterday I sat down with Allison Pena. And she she uh she answered a couple questions for us. She answered uh gave us a couple steps on how to deal with these emotions as they arise. So uh, we're gonna leave you with the news for right now, and we're gonna play the interview we had uh, with Allison Pena yesterday. So uh, thank you for listening, Junkers. Hope you enjoy the interview. Yes, sir. Again, Jay. Hope to have you on next week. Oh, for sure. So welcome to the next episode of Talking Junk. My name is Jason Melendez, and I'm here with Allison Pena, the Bad Widow. We're here to talk about a bunch of things today and to get her insight. We're living in a, a crazy world today, Allison. So uh, what do you got for us? How do we, uh, how do we control these, these urges when they come up? Yeah, we really are living in a crazy world. So I'm in New York City, and we got hit by this early, March, April. Oh, I know. I'm, in, I'm in Florida myself, so we got hit pretty hard, and we're still getting hit pretty hard. So You're still getting hit pretty hard. I never thought that any state would pass New York in numbers. Yeah. And well, now we just dropped to fourth, which is crazy. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. There's, there's a lot going on, and... Hopefully, in the near future, we could we could get out of this. Right, right. Well, I mean, we got through it, and, and it required just being really strict. But at the height of it here, I live um, within three blocks of two hospitals. So we had sirens going 24-7. Um, we would look out our windows and count ambulances in the morning. I could just imagine. Um, I grew up in the Bronx. I lived out there my whole life. Uh, I moved down here recently. I've been down here for a year, but it's it's been kind of crazy. Um, I could just imagine how New York was. Uh, just by the, the videos I've seen, um, I know people that work in hospitals out there. My my wife's uncle, he, he used to drive ambulettes for the older population to get to and from appointments, but they right. wound up renting those vans out to transport bodies. So it was it was pretty heavy. That's, yeah, that's rough. Um, so there, there's a, a lot of challenges to this because what's, what, what's happened here is that New York shut down. And so people are having much less um, connections with other people. They're doing less activities. You know, the gyms have shut down. So if one of your joys was go to the gym, can't do that. Um, Music shut down for a long time. Uh, I just went to an open mic on Friday outside, but they're literally swapping out. They have a cover for the mic, and they cover the mic for every new singer. 
Well, that's why we we do what we do here on the internet to give people their just a little bit of relief, um, a little bit of time out of the mundane life. But when we feel these things, when when we're in public and we feel overwhelmed, how do how do we conquer that? Yeah, so there there's a lot of feelings going on with everything going on. We have coronavirus, we have um, protests, we have unemployment. So all of these, that's kind of a perfect storm, right? So the feelings that go along with that are uh, fear, grief, anger, depression, even to despair, right? And after my husband died, this is a very similar set of sort of life circumstances. My husband died, the life that I had lived, that the life that I created with him and imagined I would live the rest of my life was dusted in a minute. It, and, it, it and must have been really hard. How long were you guys together? We missed our 20th anniversary by three weeks and we were missed being together 25 years by three weeks. So wow. a long time, almost half my life. Very long time. Very long time. So literally like dusting. And that's kind of people's experience right now. The lives that they had planned on, everything that they saw going forward, gone. Now, there there are some of uh, my listeners that may not know your story. Are you willing to give them just a little bit of insight into your world? Absolutely. So I... Um, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in October of 2015. And for those of you who know pancreatic cancer, basically what the doctors say, not in so many words, is prepare to die. The time span is six weeks to four months Wow! that, that you're meant to have. My husband lived 11 months, but we fought every single day for the extra days. And it was sort of, it was one of the hardest and most amazing things that's ever happened to me because I started doing things that I'd been scared of doing because I might be embarrassed. I'd wanted to sing cabaret on stages. While my husband was dying, I was in four cabaret shows. Wow. Yep. I wanted to talk about my work on stages. While he was dying in those 11 months, I was on three stages. We decided to just live full tilt boogie while the doctors were telling us to slow down. So, so no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Um, we fought to have him be at home at the end. And I was getting a lot of pushback. Um, you can't handle it. He should go in hospital hospice. But this fear, grief, and anger that we're talking about, they're all over hospitals and places like that. Oh, I know. I know. Yep. I, I work in a nursing home, and it's it's hard for them to not be scared of a lot of things, and especially right now in this day and age. Yeah, exactly. And I knew I could control it at home. So at the end, um, he died literally at home in my arms on four breaths with me holding him, with nobody else here. So very intimate moment. Very intimate moment. 
very incredible. Um, and, and having it, I, I would never have chosen for him to die, but having it go the way that we wanted it to go with just, as he was dying, he was talking to me and he said, you know, will you take care of my mom? Will you take care of, his mom is 97 and I'm her primary caregiver and she lives home alone still. <laughs> crazy. Um, she's pushing. And, uh, she's pushing. She's amazing. Um, and so he was at, you know, will you take care of my studio? He was an artist. Will you take care of this, that, and the other thing? I'm like, yep, yep, yep. And at the end I said, you know, in a body you need breath and life. Breath and love. When you leave a body, all you need is love. And I'm like, when you're ready, just go out on love. And that was really the experience at the end. That was it. So what do you do in the middle of this when we're in this really strange time? Yes, um, this is the question. Because me, myself, I'm no stranger to loss. Uh, me and my wife, we, we lost our son um, no, about sorry. seven years ago. Um, and he, he wasn't sick or anything. It was it was an accident, and he got out, and he jumped inside of a pool. No. And we had him in the hospital for three days before we had to let him go. So we were no stranger to heartbreak. And a lot, of, so a lot of these emotions come up. Sometimes they come up when we're driving. Sometimes they come up where, when we're in public having fun with our children. Sometimes they happen in the shower. There's yeah. no, no telling when these feelings will come up. So yes, the question is, how do we deal with these feelings? So there are, there are a few ways to deal with the feelings. They cannot be suppressed forever. So in, in certain circumstances, you don't want to, if you're at work, burst into tears, right? Because it, it, people get scared. Exactly. Um, and they're scared for you. They want to know that you're okay. And so when, when, that happened, I would burst into tears at a moment's notice. I mean, I could burst into tears um, peeling carrots. People understand bursting into tears at a song. Um, and what I wound up doing is, if I was in a place where I just couldn't do that and have people not get really frightened for me, then I would excuse myself and do something like, go in a bathroom and cry or I would say okay I'm gonna I'm gonna feel these feelings and express these tears later and I would literally set a time when I could do that because then you're taking care of them without um, going under in a moment when you can't go under now, I assume you and your husband, you guys have children? We didn't, no. You did not. I apologize. Um, yeah, yeah. It's fine. 
what what would your advice be to those parents out there that really don't get enough time to themselves in between taking care of them the, uh, their duties at home, their duties at work? Uh, there's really no time sometimes to just get away, especially if you have children and a significant other as well. Because at times, especially as a man, you don't want to let yeah. them see that you're hurting. You want to see that you're the stable rock for your foundation. And it's kind of hard to just release or make time for you to release. How do, how do you deal with that? The thing that the thing to remember is that um, men and little boys, especially, are not allowed to feel their feelings. Right, because they have them. It's a stigma. We. <laughs> it's a stigma, right? So, being a model, if you have sons, for your sons to know that that's okay. The thing that's most important is that the people that you're around to know that you're all right, because that's the thing that you want to be taking care of. When I, um, so my husband died in 2016 and in 2018, I decided I was going to start trying to date again because I didn't want to live the rest of my life alone. That must have been and hard. I, oh, it was the worst. It was easier to go back to work. It was easier to reconnect with people felt like such a betrayal of my husband. But could, there's no reasoning with it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I could imagine. I, We had an older daughter when uh, my son died, so he was the youngest at the time. And then after, a couple years after he passed, we had two more beautiful daughters. And nah. it was kind of hard. It was kind of hard because they would yep. do things like him. They still do things like him. And it's it's kind of rough to, to go through those emotions again. But at least, yeah. you know, we, we can have that release with, with our loved ones. We, we were able to see them pass and be there with them. There are people nowadays that are not able to be with their loved ones due to the coronavirus, which is putting an awful strain on people um, emotionally, mentally, not being able to put their loved ones to rest themselves. And yeah. That right there is one of the main factors of depression today, is one of the main factors of, unfortunately, suicides. There's a lot that's not being talked about right now in the media, and it's yeah. we, we really need to try to educate people on how to deal with these feelings without taking drastic measures. Yeah, um, it's, it's really essential to... Um, one, to allow them. Two, to have the people around you know that you're okay. When I would go to, I was a complete hot mess. I would burst into tears in any moment. And what I decided was that my job was to let people know that I was okay and that there was no need to fix me. And also to just be really gentle. So if someone is in that place it's not realistic to say, just push on through. You can't push on through. No, no, you cannot. You cannot. And, but we live in this world where it's like, okay, just tough it out. Push on through. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right? Well, yeah, we're, we're expected to still live on and live normal lives after. Time will heal. And that's, a, that's another BS stigma because, no, 
time does not heal all. It's still there. No, no matter how much time goes by, it'll always be there. Right. It, it's like a, a missing piece of you. It's absolutely a missing piece of you that never, ever gets replaced. Never. So never gets replaced, and nor should it be. No, it shouldn't. How do you replace a, another soul? It's, it's impossible. It's just not because, but that said, <clears throat> um, the love that you feel for your son, and I say, I say feel very deliberately, feel and felt continues. It does, and it will always continue. Yes, and so that's the thing that I realized when my husband died. Love is the only bridge. I've been telling my uh, my wife and my girls that forever. With without love, you really have yep. nothing. You have yep. to start. So, you have to start with love. Love is your foundation. That's what it you is build the with. Bridge. It yeah, is. The love is the foundation. That is the most important thing. And so, one of the things that I would say is, don't wait to say I love you, because in these times, you don't know. No, tomorrow. actually don't know no, how long they've got. Tomorrow's not promised. Tomorrow's not promised. And so if you've said you love that person. So I have a brother who died when I was 25 and he was 23. And the last time I saw him alive was in an airport. And we were rushing for the plane and I didn't say goodbye and I didn't say I love you. And the next time I saw him was in a coffin. Wow. And I literally would get hysterical when I was in airports for years if I didn't say goodbye and I love you. And it was completely visceral, right? Yeah, so it just becomes automated almost. You have to do it. It's it's almost yep. a superstition at that point. You you really think something's going to happen. Like I, um, the day that my son passed, I took somebody's shift at a job I was working. So I wasn't yeah. supposed to be there. And I just yeah. so happened to get to him late and everything happened when I was there. But I just felt like I wasn't supposed to be there. So every right. year after that, I never worked on that day yep. until this year. And it was a little rough. I felt out of place. Like I really shouldn't be there. Like something was going to happen. And we can't control yep. those feelings all the time. Sometimes uh, you can take medication for it. And do we really want to live our lives dulled down on medication for big pharma? Or do we want to try to control that within ourselves? Yeah, so I, I have some specific strategies, actually. So one is step away and step away and just express. Two is um, set a time later when you can. Three is let the people you're with know that you're all right. For your children, it's not a bad thing to have children understand that tears don't mean necessarily that there's something wrong. They mean you're sad. They just mean you're sad. And that sadness has to come out somehow. Emotions get stuck in the body. So things that you can do that move emotions through the body are really important. So if there's um, 
almost all of the uh, movement things. Some people exercise, some people dance. For me, I sing. Singing is a really good way to move emotions through the body. Because when you listen to music, it hits your heart. Yes, it does. My, my wife and my kids, they like to do that. They dance in the kitchen. Um, when it comes to me, we watch movies, and that's how I move my emotions through. I, I move it through movies. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, but there's, it needs to not just stick, right? The point is not to suppress it, but not to let it just stay. Yeah, because it's not healthy to just let it linger. Not healthy to let it linger, but also not healthy to grip onto it. And one of the dangers is when we're really sad, it feels like if we let go of the grief and the fear and the anger, we're forgetting that person. I've I felt like that for years. I, I, I must admit, I still feel like that at times. If, if I let go of the anger and I let go of the grief and the guilt, yeah. I'm just going to forget about them. And it's not the case because I, I, I can never forget about my son. And I'm sure you will never, ever forget about your husband. No, no. And, and it's, but it's, it's a tricky thing because your son, my husband, they would never choose for us not to live with joy. Correct. They would never choose for us not to live with love. Yeah, they want us to be happy whether they're here or not. They want to see us at our best. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's what they would want for us, except that it doesn't, it feels like they slip away a little bit more. You know, when my boyfriend and I committed to each other, it was devastating because with the rise of the joy came a huge wash of grief. I could imagine. Yep. And so... I think it's really important to recognize that you don't necessarily feel in these crazy times, you don't necessarily feel one emotion purely. They often run all together. Yeah. A lot of the times they just rush at you. Sometimes right. at awkward moments too. Absolutely at awkward moments. So then how do you settle yourself? Is it a breathing practice? Is it writing? When I um, am really worrying over something, I, there was a, a period of time when I was so, I was, I was in despair. I mean, and I literally, every morning before I got out of bed, I had to lie in bed and think of something to look forward to that day. Some reason why I should be alive, literally. And that went on off and on for almost a year. Wow. Yeah. Really, really seriously considering it. And I had the hospice drugs that my husband had had in the house. So it was, it was, I never took them. And I had to literally, because I would be sleeping and I could imagine that my husband was still there with me. And then there was that split second moment between sleeping and when I woke up and then I remembered and all that raw came right back in again. It's almost like muscle memory. 
it's exactly. been, it's been there for so long. You've been doing it for so long. It just feels natural that it's going to be there when you wake up. Yep. And people would say, well, why don't you nap? And I'm like, I can't do that more than once a day. I can't go through that raw grief more than once a day. I just can't do it. And so I was massively sleep deprived. And the other things that go along with all of these feelings that people are feeling, we're accustomed to identifying ourselves by our relationships, by the things that we do, by the work that we do. And for a lot of people, that's cut away. In New York, the streets are empty. If, so, if I walk by someone not wearing a mask, I'm going to cross the street. So people are literally afraid of people just walking around. Yeah, That's that, weird. Uh, it's real weird because we are a social species. And without people around us, quite often we fall into depression. Yep. So we, we need that camaraderie in some way to be able to overcome that depression. Yeah, and we miss touch. I have touched two people, my boyfriend and my mother-in-law, since March. Yeah, since but... March. My stepfather is so nervous about our coming to see him, see them, that we haven't been allowed to go. Even though we would go up by train, we would walk a mile through the woods, and then a mile back, we would stay outside he's still not comfortable. So being scared of people, being scared of other people is a crazy thing. Being not able to do the things we love is a crazy thing. What I, I really want to encourage is one, to allow the feelings to just be, but not grip onto them. So if feelings are like the clouds going by in the sky, it's okay. They're never going to overwhelm you. If you try and stuff them down and stuff them down and stuff them down, they, they will get bigger because they're trying to tell you they need to get out. So you recommend trying to schedule time with yourself, make appointments with yourself to be able to let that grief go at your times instead of letting it just burst out. Yeah, and if you... If you let it go at your times and if you don't grip onto it when it shows up, it will ease. It's the, it's the stuffing it down that makes it overwhelming. Otherwise, it's like a tropical storm. It will hit you. It will hit you unawares. Oh, it's like it's, it's going to hit we, us soon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we both know this. But if you... If you let it be a tropical storm, rather than having it mean more than, wow, I am really sad right now. I am really angry right now. I'm scared. Within all that, you're safe in your body. You're safe with your family. There are places where you are safe in the world. So it's better to have your own little tropical storms here and there rather yep. than to have category three and four hurricanes whenever it just feels like popping out. Yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's like um, if you vent 
in littler bits, it won't overtake you. So is there, is there anything else other than um, trying to schedule time with yourself and trying to let your uh, emotions fly when you're ready? Is there anything else that you can recommend to my listeners that they do yes. when all of this? What, what can you recommend that they do when they're already out there? having yep. these emotions in public and they're they're being looked at as if they're crazy or maybe something's wrong with them should they they get help or what all these you know natural stigmas as a, a human race um yep. we have when we see people like that because we don't we don't know we we often judge books by their cover so we just read what's on the front and we assume how do we break away from that how do we because it, it puts more pressure on us when it happens. It puts a, a lot more pressure on us when it happens. Um, initially, that, that first year, especially when I was a hot mess, if I went to a family party, I would say, look, I've been really emotional today, and I might cry. I'm okay. You don't have to do anything to fix me. When I was, um, I was meant to see my boyfriend, and I had been crying all day. It was what would have been my wedding anniversary. Mm. And I was literally, I had literally been crying for about eight hours straight at home. And day. I was meant, to, yeah, I was meant to go on a date. And I'm thinking, who wants this hot mess? Are you kidding me? <laughs> You know, this is going to be really fun. But what I decided was that he was an adult and he could decide for himself if this was okay. Because I I didn't know how I was going to be. I really had no idea. So I called him up and I said, it would have been my wedding anniversary today. I've been crying for about eight hours. I really want to see you, but I don't know what's going to happen. Are you okay with that? Because I thought, okay, as long as he's clear, so just then throw he all can your choose. cards on the table first. Exactly, and he said, you know, it's okay. I don't care that you're a hot mess. It's all right. And we we did a really low key thing. We went to Whole Foods and we sat at one of those picnic table things and we just ate. But the other thing that I did that was really smart, because this is the thing that puts people or having lots of emotions into rage is someone trying to fix them when they're there. Someone not trusting that they will take care of themselves. And so I said, don't, I'm okay. Even if I cry, I'm okay. You don't have to fix me. Don't treat me like I'm broken. Now, what if it's a stranger? What if it just happens when you're in a room full of strangers and yep. it just bursts out? What do you do then? What? Because you can't then tell everybody, look, you know, I'm okay. Um, I'm just having a moment. It's it's not going to play out that way. It's, it's going to look a little a little weirder. Right, but if it's a stranger, if it's a stranger, you can still say, "Thank you so much for caring." I am okay. I just need to take a moment here. Okay. It's been a rough day. Um, 
And as long as you address their care and honor their care, my experience is that people reacted really positively. They might offer you a Kleenex. They might say, is there anything I can do? And then you have a choice. Yes, can you just sit here with me? There was a time I was, I was really in bad shape. I was pretty depressed. And I went downstairs, and I have a doorman in my building. And I said, I'm not good. And he said, would you like a hug? I was like, oh, my gosh. That would be amazing. Hugs, hugs are shown to ease anxiety. They take yep. pressure off you. So it's, it must have felt really good to get that really good grip around you and take that um, anxiety straight off your soul. It was heaven. And this is one of the things that people are really suffering with is lack of touch. So there are stats, and I'm, I may not be recalling them exactly, but it's four hugs for minimum good health, eight hugs to be really well, and 12 hugs to thrive. And now, okay. and now just one hug could put you at risk. Yeah, now just one hug can put you at risk. So being afraid of something that's necessary to, to, to feel cared for as human beings, it's a weird world. It it's is. It's a weird world. Um, I really recommend that, that people think of things to do that Push against your own boundaries, your own limits. Start expanding the things that you see and the things that you do safely. So we've started, we were getting so scared to go out. And we started by walking. And then we, st we started getting on a bus or getting on a subway or getting on a ferry so that we could see other sites, so that we would give ourselves something to look forward to. Because we're like moles here, you know, just underground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it it's must be much harder in New York to just try to see different scenery in a world like today. Because it's you don't want to go outside and risk yourself getting coronavirus. If, if you put into your GPS now certain addresses and certain places, it'll tell you to call those places before you go just because of the threat of COVID-19 in the area. Yep. So it, it's, it's kind of intimidating almost to want to travel out and want to do these things. Now I have... I have to get in the car and I have to travel half an hour. So I have the luxury of seeing a little bit of the open world. But my kids and my wife, they've been cooped up here since March. And it's funny because we moved in a day before everything started happening. So my daughter, she got one day of school out here and then she had to go online and stay home. Her, oh last, year, her last year in elementary school. So it's it's hard for kids, too, to, to process. There's, my daughter is going to start kindergarten, and my uh, oldest is going to start the sixth grade. Wow. It, it's hard for them to comprehend that they're not going to be able to go make friends, that they're yeah. not going to be able to have any type of interaction with a teacher face-to-face. -face. Just because of underlying issues, they have asthma. So it's it's a risk to send them to school. 
these schools in kindergarten, they can't through through sixth grade, they can't get lice under control. How how are you going to get the coronavirus under control? And how are you going to deal with all of these parents at work that are going to be fearful of their child's life while they're there at work? There's a lot of people right. that can't even handle the stress of them going to work themselves. Yep. Oh, I mean, mental health issues have just skyrocketed, skyrocketed in these times because we are not designed to be to have so few interactions with our, other humans. To have so little, I mean, my my brain feels like it's been atrophying. You know? <laughs> um, I. I you know, the coronavirus eating is an issue. <laughs> it is. It, it is. It's, you, you just can't help but sit and eat, which is, know, right? it causes you to be depressed also. Because yep. you still have to go into the world to get your food, and you don't want to walk into those stores. You have to wash your packaging thoroughly now before you put it in your fridge, before you put it in your freezer. Yep. In your cabinets, you have to make sure your kids are washing their hands and washing their food and making sure everything is at a good temperature to eat. It's a lot of stress, a lot of stress right now in our daily lives. Um, in closing, is there anything that you would want to tell us to take steps other than sitting back and um, taking time for yourself or when it does arrive? Um, out in public to try to ease your pain and make people aware of your situation and that you are okay? Is there any other steps that we can take to not feel so over overwhelmed in this life right now? Yeah, the, the most important thing is to increase your self-care, whatever that is for you. So if it's listen to music, if it's dance around the kitchen, if it's take a walk in nature, if it's, um, you know, pick up shells on the beach if it's whatever it is if it's read or write or whatever makes you feel good the more you can do that in these times the bigger buffer you have between you and these emotions so self-care would be the biggest thing right now to help anybody nowadays more self -care. absolutely the biggest thing absolutely the biggest thing Spend five hours petting a cat. <laughs> I'm sure you know, the cat would love that. The cat would love that. I know and, my dog and, would love it. Right, exactly. And, and, and if you do these things, what happens is that your capacity to, to, to make it through these times, which are so incredibly hard, will increase. Your ability to feel joy again will get bigger. So what you want to do is you want to push against the fear and push against the anger and push against the grief, not to suppress it, but just to allow in some of the other things, allow in joy, allow in laughter, allow yeah. in other experiences. Then open those the walls a little bit. Open the world a little bit deliberately. Self-care does that. That's my biggest tip. And is is there uh, anything you would want to tell my listeners who are interested in your topics and want to find you? Yes. So my website is called badwidow.com. <laughs> and that's where um, they can find all of your uh, – do you have any uh, – have you 
had any books out there, other podcasts, maybe features? Yeah, I'm in the process of writing a book. Uh, I am pretty seriously thinking about starting a podcast myself. It's rising to the surface very fast. Um, but on my speaking page on my website, there are a bunch of the podcasts that I've done. And I've been booked on, in 2020, I've been booked on 39 podcasts. Wow. So we can just pretty much Google your name or go to your uh, your website, badwidow.com, and get all of those um, archived podcasts to see what other topics you have for us. Yeah, and they're all they're all linked. So click and go. Click and go. <laughs> and you can also find Allison on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Also go to Talking Junk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Like, share, and subscribe. And we hope to have Allison again on someday, maybe in the near future, hopefully. It was a really good chat, and I do apologize for the technical difficulties. I was supposed to have a team on with me. There were supposed to be two other to three other people. We, we usually sit here and we talk junk with a whole bunch of people. Um, <laughs> so hopefully next time we'll have more people on and we'll have more topics to give to our listeners. So Sounds great. Self-care, everybody. Make sure that you are scheduling time with yourself. And don't forget to go and find Allison's other podcasts. Thank you for your time. Have a great Thanks, night. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. Yay!